Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. What's up, food bloggers? Welcome to the Eat Blog Talk podcast made for you, my awesome fellow food bloggers who are wanting to add value to your blogs and to your lives. In today's episode, I will be talking to Laura Sherb from pageandplate.com, and we will be discussing the importance of visually branding your food blog. In 2017, when Laura started her blog, Page and Plate, she never anticipated that it would turn into a full-time brand consulting agency. But today, she is working as a food stylist, photographer, social media manager, and recipe developer, and her clients range from small food startups to huge corporate clients. She feels lucky to be doing what she's doing. She is slightly panicked about what the future holds, and she's full from eating so much delicious food. Hey, Laura, it is so great to have the chance to talk to you today. Before we dive into the topic of visually branding our blogs, give us a quick fun fact about yourself. Hey, Megan. Thank you so much for having me on today. I have been loving Eat Blog Talk, and I'm so happy to be a part of this amazing community. Um, So a fun fact about me is that I'm currently located in Chicago, and I've been living here for about three years. But up to this point, I was actually born and raised in Pittsburgh, and that's where I've spent most of my life. Um, I always tell people that Pittsburgh is kind of an underrated destination for food and drink. So if you're a lover of craft beer, craft whiskey, amazing pizza, uh, add Pittsburgh to your travel list for sure. Some of my best eating experiences have been there. And uh, actually eating around that city was kind of what got me thinking about having a food blog in the first place. Um, So Pittsburgh is definitely a food destination to add to your list. Interesting. And I did not know that about Pittsburgh. I have never been to Pittsburgh, but now I'm intrigued. It's a foodie destination, huh? Yeah, absolutely. It definitely flies under the radar, but um, hit it up in the spring or fall and I think you'll be really pleased. Who knew? I learned something today. (laughs) So thank you for sharing that, Laura. Um, Let's get to our main topic today, which is the importance of visually branding our food blogs. I am very excited to talk about this. And I was looking through your blog, Laura, and it is so visually stunning. I was like captivated scrolling through. So nice work on putting together an amazing looking blog. And then as I was scrolling further and further down, I started thinking, this looks like Squarespace because I use Squarespace and not many food bloggers use Squarespace. And then I was happy to see that it was. Am I right? You use Squarespace? You are totally right. Ah, Yeah. I love it. So, um, I, back when I really started my first blog, my first blog was called, um, a one bite stand. So that was like a brief thing that I had during college. But, um, I started on Squarespace because I really wasn't sure about the other resources out there. And I considered switching a few times, but man, at the end of the day, the help that I've been able to get Mm. from the Squarespace support team and the templates that they have on there have really allowed me to build, like you said, a blog that fits visually exactly what I want it to be. Um, so I would encourage anyone out there to explore the options before you go ahead with um, with your, your host. Oh, I could literally talk about this forever because there's so much information out there that says 
you just can't be successful food blogging on Squarespace. And I totally disagree with this. And I think, like you said, the templates alone are so worth it. They're so beautiful and they're easy to use. And we could probably record a whole other podcast just on, on this topic. Yeah, I'll have to come back. <laughs> yes, you will. Um, I am a huge Squarespace lover. So I always love it when I find other food bloggers who use it. So yay. Yeah. And if we want, we can get into that a little bit later. But for now, would you mind explaining what visual branding is and why it is such an important component of food blogging? Okay, so visual branding is the way that you convey your blog's personality, your voice, and your values through all of the images that you use both on your blog itself and then um, because this is a part of reality today on all the social media channels that you have as a part of your blog. Um, And it matters because it really takes your blog from being you know, just a food blog kind of that you're doing casually to being a little more than that and a little more professional and something that really entices people to want to work with you. I really can't say enough about the difference between a blog about someone who's just kind of throwing content up there and someone who has a really strong visual brand to their blog. And I think that um, it's something that we all recognize when we're browsing through other people's blogs, whether or not we really consciously kind of log that as visual branding. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I I love what you said about it's conveying your voice visually. I love those words that you used. And then I had the question as you were talking, at what point should we be thinking about visually branding? Because when a food blogger just starts out, I think it's good to get your feet wet, get your content up, get going, and not necessarily focus so much on the branding until things have taken off a little bit. So when do you recommend putting this on your radar? Yeah, Megan, that's such a good question. Um, so I think, like you said, getting you know your feet wet and getting into the world of blogging is the most important step, right? Because it's the first one. And I think that I'm definitely in the camp of creating, you know, a big library of content before you really move forward with this. So I think that it depends how long that's going to take some people. Um, You know, if this is your kind of number one activity that you're doing, maybe you have that wealth of content like way earlier than someone like me who starts and they're doing a full-time job at the same time. And this is kind of just a hobby. But the beauty of visual branding is that, you know, once you have a nice block of content that you've built out and you decide you want to start journeying down um, this road, you can go back and kind of um, overhaul your old content to fit your visual brand as you're developing it. And I think that the most important thing about visual branding is that it it really is um, a, a journey and it's not like a thing that you check off your checklist once, it is an ongoing kind of process. So I think that as you start blogging, um, you know, you can have ideas in the back of your head, but building that, you know, building your blog itself is the important first step. And then as you start thinking about it, you can go back. I myself am still doing that right now. You know, I'm going back to the content I was first publishing in 2017 and updating it to match the visual brand that I've developed for myself. Um, and it's kind of, it's it's a fun journey back to see like where I was and where I am today and what I need to change. So visual branding is a journey. It's not one thing we need to check off. I like that too, because it is constantly evolving. 
moving, right? I mean, what we like and what we are representing is constantly changing. So I like keeping that in mind that it is a journey, not an item on our checklist. Yeah. And I think the industry continues to change as well. And that's another important thing to have in mind as you're developing your visual brand. Absolutely. That's a great point. So I'm eager to hear how you got into visual branding. How did it get put on your radar and how did it become a subject that you are so passionate about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So like I think I mentioned, I started Page and Plate about two years ago and it was while I was working a full-time job. Um, And I was kind of just searching around for a creative outlet and figured that a blog that combined uh, two of my favorite hobbies would be perfect. So Page and Plate is, it started with the concept of me pairing what I was reading with what I was eating. And it was, you know, just something to fill time. And I did it on the weekends and on the evenings. And it was just kind of a fun hobby. But as I kind of continued blogging and building that library of content that you and I just talked about, uh, my audience grew a little bit bigger. And I started doing events as a part of the blog. And it started to kind of take on its own life and just get a lot bigger than this one website where I would throw content up once or twice a week. So I got really serious about the photography that I was doing and, uh, you know, the colors that I was using and learned a lot about food styling. And I realized that I needed to kind of overhaul my visual branding to make Page and Play a more enticing uh, resource for home cooks and for brands who were looking to partner. Um, so when I was like first getting into this, I actually was looking at my homepage and I realized that I had three different shades of red on my homepage. Um, <laughs> I had one in my logo and I had one that Squarespace provided and I had one that I was trying to use in as many pictures as possible. And I realized that that in and of itself screamed, you know, kind of like amateur blogger. So I, um, I actually had a friend who designs logos. So I sat down with him and I said, look, you know, here are the issues that I'm seeing. And he was like, yes, this is awful. Let's fix this. Um, he helped me redesign my logo. We, you know, chose the color palette that's all over my blog and social channels today. And I was able to kind of, you know, pull back, think about the images that I was putting out there and really develop my page and plate style. So when I say my page and plate style, I mean my writing and my photography and the colors that I use um, and this like stylistic elements in the photographs that I take. Um, So every recipe that you see on my blog is formatted the same way. And every book review is formatted the same way as well. And I'm using the same fonts and a lot of like I mentioned, the stylistic elements in the table. So I always show that there are many people coming together at the table and there's usually a book at the table and, you know, there might be some drinks because I really want to emphasize that food is something that we should enjoy together. So, you know, at this point now, I hope that you could look at my blog without my logo on it and know that, you know, you're looking at a page and plate post without even having to look at the the logo or the branding up there um, just through that really strong visual brand. People do that well. There are food bloggers who do this very well. There are plenty of photos that I can look at on Pinterest or on Instagram and instantly know who did it because of the colors. And like you said, the fact that there's a book on the table or just, you know, those little signature things that we all put into our content. I love that. And I love that you were able to take a step back and kind of look at your blog and see like, oh, (laughs) these are some amateur moves, like the colors, the three different reds that you were talking about. I think we get so into the day-to-day routine 
that we don't always take a step back and look at our blogs the way that other people see them. Does that make sense? I, it absolutely does. And I think that, you know, this branding that we're talking about is one of those important things where a potential sponsor or a new reader or, you know, even someone who's been following you forever will stop once you have that visual brand in place and think this is a blog that's worth, you know, subscribing to, reading a little more on, or even sending some product to pursue a future relationship. And um, it just signals that you're thinking really intentionally about the brand that you're putting forward and that you're taking yourself seriously, which I think is one of the most important steps to making a blog more than just a hobby. Most people who are searching for recipes online, because that's how a lot of us get our traffic, are maybe unknowingly searching for something that evokes memories or some sort of emotion or even like a story about the food or recipes they've come to see. And when they find that place that offers the perfect combination of food photos and maybe colors, like you said, everything coming together and that tells an appealing visual story, they want to be a part of the recipes they see. So I think it's not just about us seeing it that way in other bloggers, but people who come to our blogs from Pinterest and from Google And when they see that, they want to be there. I I totally agree with you. Yeah, they want to be a part of that community. They want to be able to cook that kind of food. Yeah. They want to be at that table with you enjoying this food that's, you know, evoking that memory or that imagery for them. Right. It's like they're with you. It's like they're experiencing the food with you, which is weird. (laughs) Yeah. The Internet's a crazy place. Yeah, it is a crazy place. So I think we as food bloggers are good at telling stories with our individual photos, but it's a little more difficult to wrap our heads around creating a story with everything, all of our content. Can you talk to us about how to visually brand not just an individual piece of content, but everything together, meaning our blogs and our social media? Could you talk a little bit more about that? So actually, when I onboard my clients now, I have them take a little quiz that really helps them nail down what they want their kind of brand identity to be, both visually and otherwise. Um, I think the quiz is super fun. I'm biased because I designed it. Um, But it takes them through their brand archetype, their personality, their voice, the imagery they like, the colors they want to use. If they need to think about their logo, we talk about that too. And I think that that's a good audit practice to do on your blog, I would say probably twice a year. Um, Just because food blogging, I think that we tend to consume other people's content and refine our own constantly. So, you know, doing this once or twice a year for yourself um, can really help you, you know, figure out what direction your content is pulling you in and your audience is really um, devouring. So what it's, it's important to do. I, I'm glad you mentioned the social channels as well as the blog itself is just make sure that everything makes sense and matches. You know, I shouldn't go to your Instagram and read captions that are written in this very professional tone and then go to your blog and see recipes that have this kind of very down to earth snarky voice. And I shouldn't be seeing um, these gorgeous photographs that you're taking on your DLSR and editing on your Instagram feed, and then a ton of pictures that you took of your dog on your iPhone on your blog. (laughs) Um, I love dog pictures just as much as the other girl, but thinking about how that, you know, kind of blends together so that people recognize whether you're on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, or, you know, scrolling on your blog, that that's your brand. 
if you want your dog to be a part of it, then let's figure out how to do that. And let's start incorporating him in the social feeds. Maybe let's get him in a few shots of the food too. Um, just making sure that you're nailing down consistency across your platforms so that people, you know, again, can I cover up that logo? And can someone say to me, that is one of her recipes, um, I think is a, a good step. And, you know, maybe even, you know, putting your phone right next to your computer screen and having your blog up and then switching to Pinterest and see how you're conveying that is a great first step. And then just thinking about what you want readers to walk away feeling after they look at your channels and your blog, I think is something that's really important to think about. Like you mentioned, often imagery um, evokes feelings or memories in us and um, making sure that that's kind of the vibe you want to be putting out into the universe. I think is really important. Um, I use a lot of like antique and vintage kitchen tools in my photographs. And that's because for me, I talk about a lot how cooking is, you know, it's a part of my family and it's a skill that's been passed down and I use recipes that are passed down. And I use that across all of my platforms. And I hope that if you're looking at a picture, you know, of my grandma's moose and you're seeing that I'm using some vintage mason jars in that picture, you kind of feel that both on Instagram, Pinterest, and on the actual blog post where I come out and say, this is my grandma's recipe for chocolate mousse. Defining what our audience is looking for. What do you want them to feel? I, I love that. I think that's a really good place to start if someone is looking to maybe do a visual brand, as you called it, a self-audit. And then also, I love that you recommend doing self-audits twice a year. I don't do that, but I should. Like I said before, I get caught up in the grind. And then once in a while, I look at my blog and think, oh, I should probably change that. And I do think that when you're approached by clients, if you have, you know, within the past six months, really put a lot of thought into your visual branding, you will have a better response for them when they say, tell us about your target audience, you know, tell us about what you're trying to accomplish with your blog. And they'll notice that they'll notice that you're someone who's really taken the time to, you know, standardize your branding and um, evoke those emotions. For sure. And then I just thought of this. What if you do the self-audit, you take a step back and look at your content, your blog, and you don't really like what you see? Is it okay to do a complete 180 and just change things up? Or is that too confusing, especially if you already have an established audience? Is it too confusing? What do you recommend then? Um, you know, I think that if you have an established audience and you're doing thing, things one way, there's a reason that that established audience is still following you. Um, and I do think it would be a little jarring to just immediately stop and kind of switch gears. So what I would do is actually involve the audience in that decision, you know, throw up a question on your Instagram and say, you know, Hey guys, I, I've been thinking a lot about the visual brand that I'm, you know, putting out there on my blog. And I was just wondering how you would feel about more recipes that, you know, involved, pairing with music or more recipes that involved, you know, a little more drinks focus and less of a food focus and see what your audience says. And if there's an appetite for that, and then start making, you know, small changes so that you can transition yourself to where you want to be. 
um, they say that the best day to start something is yesterday. So I think making those small changes incrementally, if your audience has an appetite for that, is the way to move forward with that. Instagram is so good for getting a feel about what your audience wants, right? I love that about Instagram. Oh, me too. And doing the stories and the polls, you can figure out so much about what they want. Exactly. And I, I think that that's a way to even you know, really just ingrain that brand identity is that you care about their opinion. And the way that you ask these questions can be a great way for them to get to know you and your personality and know that it's not just, you know, this computer spitting out new blog posts, but there's an actual person behind the brand who is wants to move this forward and help them grow. Here's another interesting thought I just had. Our profile pictures or headshots that we have across platforms on blogs and social media, do they play a role in the visual branding as well? Absolutely. Um, I, I will say my profile picture is not the best. I need to <laughs> definitely update it. But I will tell you that the past you know two or three that I've had all have books and food in the picture with me. Um, and, you know, I, I know that I'm someone whose photos, I use a lot of bright colors and um, I have kind of like a snarky attitude about it. So I did want to have, you know, me with a facial expression that wasn't just a smile with, you know, the books and food there. And I think that if you're someone who is cooking a lot of recipes for your family, then you would want your family to be in that picture with you. You know, if you're someone who cooks a dinner for you and then also does a companion recipe for your dog, get your dog in that profile picture. Right. I like that you kind of include what is important in your profile picture. So it doesn't necessarily have to be just a headshot on a white background. It can be catered to who you are. Yeah. I mean, there's a time and a place for a headshot with a white background. I think you should probably have one of those just in case, you know, you're speaking at a conference or something. But as as someone who worked in corporate America, I think that having a headshot that says more about you than I'm a smiling face um, is always it piques people's interest and they want to get to know you and your blog more. I am always more intrigued when there's something extra in the headshot. Instead of just a white background, maybe a fun outdoor background, or maybe you're in your kitchen with a cupcake or whatever your trademark thing is. I like seeing that little touch of extra something. And there is a time and a place, like you said, for backdrop headshots. But I do think that blogs offer the opportunity to include something more fun and something extra. I totally agree. And when I think of the bloggers who I have followed religiously since I realized what a food blog was, they're the people who have a voice, an attitude, a personality, something that I know about them that makes them different than anyone else who's writing about food. Um, and I I think that now about some of my favorite, you know, writers turned cookbook authors, you know, Alison Roman, I adore her voice, I adore her snarkiness. And I will buy every book she comes out with, because I want to see how she puts that into a cookbook form. And I, you know, her profile pictures are not just a headshot, like you said, it's her holding her favorite citrus. And I think that that is a great example of someone who is creating a brand that connects visually, and in her writing that makes me buy in as a consumer and just say, you know, take all my money. I'm 100% here for you, whatever you're doing. Talk to us about specific ways we as food bloggers can use visual branding to attract and to hold on to clients. So clients, I think that 
first of all, if you have a strong visual brand and you're showing that in your blog and your social channels, that comes off very professionally and it comes off as someone who brands want to work with because you have a good sense of who you are and who your audience is. Um, so I think we need to talk about two kinds of clients really. And one is the kind that's going to offer you sponsored content. And the other is the kind that's going to ask you to do photographs and styling for them. Um, the first kind, I think it's important to really have a handle on what your visual brand is. So, you know, to be able to articulate those things we talked about, the values of your brand, your brand's personality, the elements of voice and style that you're incorporating into every image, um, to be able to say that to a brand that really is seeking someone who's a great match for their um, product is is going to speak volumes. And they want to work with people who have a great idea of that because people who understand that will understand how to naturally incorporate their products in a way that makes their audience very much buy into it. You know, like we were just talking about, if Alison Roman tells me to buy a certain brand of mustard, I'm going to be inclined to do that because she has a strong visual brand and is going to naturally incorporate that into her visual branding in a way that seems very natural, very smooth, and very um, enticing to me. So having that down, having a media kit that specifically brings in those elements, and um, I think, you know, having a portfolio that showcases that as well. I would encourage people, though, to create a second portfolio with the work that you're creating for that other kind of client we talked about, who is seeking people who can do photography and styling that matches their style. And in that portfolio, you want to be able to showcase all of the different visual brands you've been a part of creating so that they see you can create work that matches their brand. A great example of this is a company I just worked with. Um, they have a really like new agey kind of urban out outfitters sort of vibe, lots of like glitter and sparkles and crazy contrast in their photos. And that's not something that I present as a part of page and plates visual brand. But I was able to flip through my portfolio and show them a few pictures that I've done where the style's totally the opposite of mine. And that was helpful to reassure them that I was going to be able to match their brand. And for me to be able to articulate, you know, that I understand enough about visual branding to be able to pivot like that to help them was invaluable. That is valuable. I love that you just said that. Yeah. Yeah. So like you can brand yourself, but also show clients that you are able to have a different mindset. And that's why I encourage people to have a portfolio page on your you know, branded blog, definitely, you know, keep your logo on there, keep your colors on there, but show the work that, you know, doesn't make it on your homepage because it's not visually branded to fit you so that they see that. Um, and the other thing I would say is just ask the right questions. Um, this applies to both kinds of clients. You know, if you are a, you know, a family food blogger and, you know, you're approached by a brand that, you know, has those same values, just ask that back to them and say, you know, I'm a family blogger. Um, I really want to make sure that these are the values you're trying to convey because this is what I convey in all of my images. If it's one of those brands where they have a totally different style run by, you know, okay, here's what I think about when I'm doing my images. But when I'm doing something more along the lines of what you're asking for, this is the kind of values that I'm thinking about. And this is, these are the elements that I want to see in the style of the photo. And that will really help with client retention because they'll see that not only are you doing good work, but you're asking questions that show that you care about their 
products and their brand as well as your own. And that is what's going to separate you from someone who's just taking photos. Communication upfront is key, I think, in any relationship with a client. But that makes total sense that you would just want to convey that upfront and be open about it so that they know what to expect. And there's no questions. Mm -hmm. Um, I also really liked what you recommended about having a portfolio page. Can you kind of walk us through what a portfolio page would have? Yeah. um, So on my portfolio page, I have um, an image for every kind of brand relationship that I have undertaken. Um, And that image is usually I pick like my favorite one from the shoot that we did or from the branded work that I did from them. And I include a link to the client's web page. And I include a little snippet about what I did for them. So I will say here is, you know, here's a picture of the work that I did for just an example, Wendy's. Um, I did food styling and food photography for them. And then I also did some sponsored content. So it's just a short snippet along with a link that, you know, for some of my smaller startup clients, I want people to be able to go check out their website, maybe see some of the photos they're using that I took on their website. And I think that, you know, overloading with more than one image can be helpful in some cases. But for me, I really just want one so that it all looks like my homepage does. And that's something that mm, I sure. use space templates for. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, just showing a sampling of what you've done uh, in a way, obviously check with clients to make sure if it's okay, if you're using their imagery on there and, you know, kind of linking to prove that these clients have some clout. Yeah, that's great advice. Does visual branding care? carry over to video because video is becoming an increasingly important part of our lives and identities. Absolutely. Yes. That's kind of what I thought you'd say. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I'm just starting to venture into video, but as I do, you know, I'm thinking about even thinking about like the space where I want to be recording my video, the tools that I want to have in the video, the brands of the products that I'm using. Do I want to show those? Do I not want to show those? Um, do I want to have some books in my kitchen kind of staged, uh, you know, thinking about all of that so that again, if someone sees a still from a video, they know that it's my brand. Very interesting. There's a lot to think about. I mean, we do so many different things, videos, photos, writing, um, social media posting. So it's a lot to think about. But I do love it when I come to a place where it's all just cohesive and everything kind of fits together. What are some other things food bloggers can do to show visual consistency? So the example I was thinking of was creating graphics uh, with similar colors and fonts for Instagram highlights. Absolutely. Um, Number one is fonts. So uh, a great resource that I'll throw out there for people is Canva. Um, It's a website that I use probably every day. Um, And it is amazing because it allows you, it's kind of like, you know, having the Adobe suite, but for free online. So I'm able to pick the right fonts for everything that I make from my media kit to, like you said, the little story labels on Instagram to um, any, you know, recipe guide that I'm developing to throw up as a freebie. It's all the same font. And it also allows you to um, really nitpick, like I want this exact color and shade of red that's page and plate red. And I need that to be on all of, you know, my Instagram store labels. And uh, like I said, media kit and recipe guide and all that stuff. That's the same color of red. I even use it for client invoicing. Um, So I have like a PDF shell that I made on there. Um, I think that that is probably one of the most important tools I've discovered. I know a lot of food bloggers who use Canva. It is amazing. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes, it's the best. 
yeah, so little things like that, I think, make a huge difference. Um, I would also say, you know, make yourself a Pinterest board that is secret and add pictures to that that call out to you for some reason. And kind of like when you do that audit, compare your pictures to those. Um, so I did that. And that was one of the ways that I realized I needed to have like the same background. Like I use a replica surface. So I needed to have the same surface as the background on all of my photos. Like you said, that makes your feed look really clean and consistent. And I realized that that also makes my blog look really clean and consistent because I have, you know, the same kind of background, like it's the same table that I'm serving my food on. Right. I think we get so caught up, especially on Pinterest and just like doing the work, you know, putting our pins up, pinning other people's pins that we forget that Pinterest is actually a really great resource for things like this. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's the best. It is. I remember the days when I used to like, that was my downtime. I would just scroll through Pinterest and it was so amazing. And now it's like, Pinterest is kind of work, right? Remember that we have Pinterest as a resource, creating a secret board. What a great tip. And I bet if we do that for like a month, I don't know, we could go back in there and see, oh, this is what I want for my blog. And I do like, I'll just throw a cautionary out there. Um, I'm not saying to go and find people to copy. I think that a lot of that happens in this industry. But, you know, if you look at a board that you've created for yourself and you say, you know, wow, I'm noticing that all of these pictures have like a crazy amount of props in them. Maybe I start, need to start incorporating more props into my brand. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about where it's big idea and zooming out. Um, but yeah, and, you know, do it on Instagram, too. We have that amazing feature now where we can save to collections. Um not only have I heard that's great for the algorithm, but that's a great way too to look through and say, oh my gosh, you know, look at all these pictures of cake. I noticed that all these cakes have a certain type of frosting on them. I should start making that a part of my dessert brand uh, to be able to scroll through that in the same way that you do in, uh, Pinterest, I think is really cool. Find inspiration where you can and put it all together to create your own thing. Right. And just, you know, like you said, keep consuming the information. Don't make checking out your favorite food blogs work. Really just keep consuming like you're still just a reader of blogs and not a creator of one. Mm -hmm. Because I think that we tend to get like really stuck in our own little worlds. Like keep scrolling through Pinterest and finding what you like and keep, you know, using that discover feature on Instagram and study what other people are doing to, you know, figure out how you can grow along with them or do things differently if you're being called in a different direction. Once food bloggers get to a point where they have a team of people working for them and with them. Communicating the visual brand with their team members is important as well, don't you think? I totally agree. Yes. And it's probably not super easy to do that. This isn't something I have discussed with my team because it's not something you can really explain. It's more of something you create kind of unknowingly, I think, sometimes because you step back and look, you've created this feeling and vibe on your platforms and you really didn't even sometimes know that you did it. So how do you recommend communicating that to a team? Well, I think the most important thing is to articulate those things that you have, you know, in some cases, accidentally created. I would, I would make a branding style guide, um, you know, just like you would have uh, a style guide for AP style. You want to have a style guide for your blog. So for me, I, I'm a team of one currently, but I do have that style guide. You know, I have 
you know, here's how to get page and plate red in all of these different color formats. Here are the logos that I'm using. I have for writing a recipe, you know, here's, here's exactly how that recipe should look. But then I also am starting to write down, you know, photo styles that I want and, um, vibes that I want to give out. And I think having that, you know, the brand archetype, the brand personality, the voice, the values that you are, are really focusing on communicating in a document where your team can reference it at any time is a great practice to start. Um, and I would encourage even those of you who are in the very early stages like me, just get it down on paper and use it to check yourself. Um, and I think that, you know, you're right. It's hard to communicate some of these things to a team, especially because we're all bringing our, our own histories and personalities to a project. But having that document as a place to start those conversations can be invaluable. And as your team grows, I think you'll be so happy that you did it now as opposed to later. And having to go back and fix things because that is never fun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, so much great stuff, Laura. I am just literally soaking all of this in and I'm writing notes like crazy. Good. Before we say goodbye, is there anything we've forgotten to cover on the topic of visual branding that you want to mention? Man, I mean, I just just want to reiterate that it's not something you're going to you know, sit down on a Wednesday and check off and be done. It really is a process that, as we've talked about, can take, it should take the entire time of your food blogging journey. So every time you're writing a blog post, this should be something that you think about and not something that you think about to get to an end goal, but something that you think about to craft the entire arc of your blog. Like you said, going back and redoing things is never fun. But for me, it's been a really valuable learning experience. And I think that even if you are you know, a blogger with thousands and thousands of followers, you want to go back and just kind of look at this as a way to reflect on the blog that you've created and the brand that you've created and where you're moving from here. I'm really excited to get this episode out. I think people are going to find great value in this. Oh, good. Well, I hope so. Yes. Thank you so much for talking with me today. It was my pleasure to have you here. And I am just thankful that you are here to help add value to our fellow food bloggers businesses by providing this information on visual branding. It's something that I don't hear about a lot. And I was really intrigued when I saw your email come through. I was like, yes, we need to talk about this. So it's a very exciting topic. So before you go, share with us any favorite quotes or words of inspiration for our fellow food bloggers. Say yes to every opportunity you can. Um, I cannot remember who was the person who told me this, but you know, they encouraged me to just say, yeah, I can totally do that and believe in myself that much. And I think that that has really helped me, first of all, take advantage of opportunities I wouldn't have in the past, but also undertake tasks that, you know, maybe I never believed I could accomplish um, until I really set about doing them. So say yes, believe in yourself and uh, get stuff done. Great advice. Laura has a list of favorite resources relating to visual branding, and those can be found on her show notes page at eatblogtalk.com forward slash Laura S. Laura, tell my listeners the best place to find you online. Um, Head over to www.pageandplate.com. You can sign up for my newsletter there or follow me on the gram at pageandplateblog. Awesome. Thanks for listening today, food bloggers, and I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. 
If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.